do players making the leap from college to pro fare better when their pro role is the same as their college role? Or do college stars transitioning into lesser roles or college role players with immense upside transition to high level pros the best? Find out my thoughts next right here on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome all. You're listening to Locked On NBA Big Board. My name's Leaf Tulene. Rafael Barlow calls me the grinder because I watch more college basketball than just about anyone. With all that said, I'll be discussing how different roles NBA draft prospects fill in their college teams currently translate to the NBA and how their previous players that were selected in similar spots that, that occupied varying college roles transitioned into the NBA. I'll analyze the different archetypes of players selected at similar spots in previous drafts and apply that framework to, framework to current prospects and say what players will fare the best in their jumps to the NBA with an emphasis on how different players from this year's class fit into those different categories. And I'll explain what that means coming up in, in the following segments. I just wanted to thank those for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen every day. And remember... Locked on NBA Big Board is free and available on all pra- uh, platforms, including YouTube and that Locked on NBA Big Board, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. Today's question is, do you think a college star going for a lesser role in the NBA or a college player who played a role well and will likely play that same role in the NBA usually fares better? That's what I'll be addressing today. In the first segment, I'll discuss the players that are drafted high based on potential or traits, an archetype that is more dependent on potential and high risk, high reward. And an example of that type of player is maybe a Patrick Williams, whose production wasn't an immense in college, yet was drafted very highly due to physical attributes and potential. In a second segment, I'll break down the drafted to fulfill the same role in the NBA as the role that one excelled at in college in that, in that type of archetype. Think of like Franz Wagner at the highest end, someone who was a starring role player someone that was not the leading scorer on their college team, but may have been the best player. Trey Murphy is a three and D plug and play who, whose role is identical to what he played at Virginia as it is on the Pelicans or Davion Mitchell, who was a, a star in, in his own right, but he was not the star on that team. And a, he was a, he was picked to be a point guard and a defensive stalwart as he was at Baylor, how those three have diff- fared differently. And lastly, I analyzed the college stars asked to play a role in the NBA and how they've fared and transitioning from increased usage rate to playing on it as a team player and not the focal point of the team as an NBA player, as opposed to the star of their college team. DeAndre Hunter is one example. Obi Toppin, all American asked to play a, a role on the Knicks. DeAndre Hunter, a fourth pick, a national champion, who's someone who scored 27 points in the national championship game and has asked to be a tertiary option. Jarrett Culver, an all American who was in the national championship game, who was picked sixth and, and hasn't found a role because of the transition to being a role player from the star. Desmond Bain was a heartbeat of TCU and is now a stud for the Grizzlies. Or Grant Williams in the mid middle of the first round, who's excelled at a role. But he was a two-time SEC player of the year at Tennessee. Let's dive right in. The first archetype of player is the player who demonstrated traits and flashes that are rare but do not star on their college teams. Two recent examples are fourth picks out of the same college, Scotty Barnes and Patrick Williams, who each came off the bench for Leonard Hamilton Seminoles. This archetype can be hit 
or miss. It can be hit big or be very dangerous. Both of these players, Patrick Williams and Len- and Scotty Barnes under Leonard Hamilton at Florida State were on successful teams, which is a big factor. They starred in their roles, and they that meant a lot of people believe that they had an ability to grow in their roles and play those same roles at the NBA at the lowest level, but maybe be stars. And so far, I think they're one for two in that. This archetype archetype can be hit or miss, like I mentioned. I'd argue the big hits come from this this archetype of player. Think of someone like Giannis, who was drafted on traits alone. There was not many refined skills for Giannis, but man, were his traits appealing. And yes, obviously Giannis has hit it out of the ballpark, and you don't expect that when you draft this. But there is a method behind the madness, taking traits that are rare. Um, there, there are busts like Hashim Tabit or Kwame Brown, players with enormous potential drafted on height, athleticism, but not necessarily uh, production on a basketball court that they've put together against the highest level. Uh, let's talk about those two players from Florida State, though. They're high risk, high reward, but I'll, I'll talk about their college careers and, and why they are pretty good uh, analogies for this role. Patrick Williams shot 84% from the free throw line at Florida State, but it wasn't a dominant force at the rim. He wasn't a dominant scorer. He was a good defender, but he played on a team that, that had pros on it, and he was a sixth man, and he was the definition of a role player. He came in, started his role, and people were like, okay, you know, if they were to give him more time and he were to get more touches, I think we could make him into a star. And that's why the Bulls took him at four. This is a player that I really loved, and – the reason that, that that I loved him was he had measurables comparable to Kawhi, which is such a rare thing in the NBA. And defensive chops, they, I'm not going to say the same ilk of Kawhi, but, you know, he, that's something you could imagine. He can def- defend multiple positions, and he's been successful at that in the NBA. He, he wasn't a dominant scorer, but he shot 84% from the line, which is usually a good indicator of touch, meaning that he could be a 3 and D extraordinaire at the NBA level. So you take a risk on him at number four. But, you know, that wasn't a substantiated claim based off his college play. So that's where this archetype comes in. Let's talk about Scotty Barnes, though. And, and, and for Patrick Williams, he has yet to take that leap as a pro, but he is a solid pro. So there is a middle ground. There's a high, in this case, there is a high ceiling. There's a bit of a risk here, but their floor was pretty high with Patrick Williams as well. Scotty Barnes played a more integral role at Florida State, but still played off the bench and wasn't their lead scorer, nor field goal attempts taken leader. And he was on a good team, a team that made the Sweet 16, but it wasn't as good as the team that Patrick Williams played on. So maybe that's why he had a larger role. But but for him, I think there was more of a point guard role in there, a supersized guard. And that, I think, elevated his potential and made him a little bit safer with a higher upside at the same time. His floor was being a defensive pass to a ball handling ability. And he, he's six nine, but his upside has has been tapped into. He's become a borderline all star player in, in year two, where he can, and he's not there yet. So I, I don't want anyone saying, okay, he's not an all star yet. He's not, but but he he can be that caliber of player soon, and he's already shown that flashes and then that likelihood to be the case by year two. He won the rookie of the year, and he's become a better scorer than what he showed at Florida State. So this is an example of a success story of this archetype of player where a player shows the potential early on and they build around those traits and make them a star player rather than the role player they were in college. High risk, high reward, but there's something to be said for the middle ground as well. Who are players that fit into that pattern in this year's class? I'd argue Jarace Walker, Dylan Mitchell, Julian Phillips, and to agree Anthony Black when, when uh, Nick Smith has played and Ricky Council has played together because he becomes almost a third option despite 
being the focal point of their team in the Maui uh, Maui Gym Invitational, where he kind of really grew this reputation for becoming a good scorer, someone who makes something happen. He's a walking paint touch. But let's talk about Jurace Walker. He's someone in Houston that has two star guards in the backcourt, a veteran team, and he's a freshman making big plays. But he's got potential to be more because he's shown passing flashes. He, he shot the ball well against Virginia. At Virginia, he was the star player, led the team in scoring, hit a few threes, hit a turnaround jump shot that, was, that acted as a dagger from 17 feet over one of the better defenders in the ACC in um, Jaden Gardner. But also, against this is all against a team that plays a pack line defense that makes you shoot over the top of them and makes you really beat them with athleticism or really good shooting, and he did both. Um, as for a guy like Dylan Mitchell, he's the perfect example. Texas has a national championship caliber roster, whether that happens with Chris Beard leaving um, due to legal issues and, and right and rightfully so, but their talent on the basketball court has made Dylan Mitchell look like a, not a non-factor, but someone that if he were to miss a game, Oh, you wouldn't, we wouldn't mind too much. And that's, that's often like a, Oh boy, that's a little scary. But he's got the traits. He, he's six nine. He's one of the best vertical athletes in the draft, if not the best vertical athlete. He and Andre Jackson would be the best too. And he can shoot the ball. He's shown some touch. He, he's also had moments of wow, look at that explosion in a half court. Is he just defense? Is is he just a transition player? Can he be a star? I don't know. But this is a player that you would draft on traits. Um, Julian Phillips. He's, he's the leading scorer as of entering the game against Arizona. He's the leading scorer for Tennessee. But you wouldn't say, man, this guy is the star of the Tennessee Volunteers. I think most people would say that's Santiago Vescovi. But he's the guy that's the most appealing draft prospect due to his his traits, physically traits, and what, what he can do. We, we tied a podcast earlier where Rafael and I discussed, man, Julian Phillips might be in a logjam at the wing position. Um, but he's got these physical traits that make him coveted, and you may take a swing on him. Anthony Black, I think, is a top 10 pick waiting to happen. But at times, he, he kind of plays this where you, you rely on these traits and that are rare, the super-sized playmaker who's got defensive chops. But at times, he gets lost in the shuffle in a very talented Arkansas team. That You tell me, is this a safe archetype? I'll tell you at the very end of this episode how I'd rank this uh, the these three different archetypes and which one is, is my personal preference and, and my thoughts on all of the three, but coming up next, uh, I'll tell you about the players that are role players in college that excel at the role and then have a chance to do so in the next level. But first a word from Turo with Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it from a community of local hosts, browse a huge selection of vehicles for about just about any occasion or budget book an SUV or a minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, or even drive, uh, test drive an EV. It, they're all they're all possible, they're all doable, and they're made easy by Turo. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental calls and forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. All right, welcome back to into Lockdown NBA Big Board, and I'm Leif Tuline, and I wanted to remind you that you should make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the, 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 the world of sports around 20 minutes or less. You can catch your fix and you can tell everyone what, what's happening in the world of sports without having to have watched the games because Locked, Locked On's take of the day will be there and, and they'll be able to tell you Locked On Sports today what's happening in the world of sports and you'll be an expert without having even watched it. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 
So earlier we discussed role players chosen with traits and, and thought, thought, you know what, maybe, maybe that gives them a chance to star in, in the previous segment. So let me tell you about some players in recent drafts who, and, and, and those candidates who are able to fulfill this role in a class of players that excel at their college role and have a chance to star in their professional role. That is the same role where they're drafted. Uh, and, and that's the, the, this is a fit pick. Sometimes people will, will, will draft based on best available and sometimes they draft on fit and sometimes it's the same and sometimes it's different, but here are some players that, that come to mind in recent drafts that fit this category. Franz Wagner is the highest end of this. Franz Wagner, Trey Murphy is a three and D to a T played the same role at Virginia as he's playing for the Pelican. Davion Mitchell was a star guard for, for Baylor but he was, he was in a role of, of being a defensive pass, the best defender in the country that year, arguably. And he was the table setter for Baylor using his ability to be his, his speed to be an, an ability to get to the rim and create for his teammates. These players demonstrate the range between what roles they can play and how it translates to the NBA. You, you see the highest level Franz Wagner, who's, who's a, uh, someone who's really becoming a star in the NBA and he was the best player on Michigan's loaded one seed team that, that made it to the elite eight, but he wasn't the leading scorer, and he wasn't the guy that, you know, got all the headlines despite being a guy who went in the lottery and he took the same role. He's going to be a Robin in the NBA right now. Paolo Ben Carroll already in his rookie year has become the Batman and, and that happens, but he's perfect at his role. And it's someone that you, you look at as an archetype and say, well, you know what, if someone's a good shooter, good defender, really heady player, tall, and you, we, we can project those same traits in the NBA. There's no reason they should suffer. And that's a safe pick with a high floor, extremely high floor in the case of Franz Wagner, and a higher ceiling than you typically pick on a, on a pick you're taking for a fit rather than upside or best available. And Franz may have been the best avail available at eight anyway. But it, myself included, I think there were some doubts about Franz Wagner's shooting and, and how sustainable his success was having a, playing on a really good Michigan team. And I think people may have taken away from him based on the team. And I think he was a larger part of that team than people realized. Um, despite, I think anyone who really knew basketball that year would have said that that's the best player on the team. But that team, a lot of people took away from him by saying, oh, that team's really good. So how good is he? And I don't know if that's fair. Here's another example. Trey Murphy. I loved him at Virginia. And for anyone who's really listened to this podcast, one time I went on with Richard, talked about Trey Murphy. And now every time he and I, to watch a Pelicans game, we text each other about Trey Murphy and how awesome he is. Well, he, he was six nine, hits shoots the heck out of the ball, and and he's a really good athlete. So he's a three and D to a T. He was exactly that at Virginia. He was almost part of the 50-40-90 club um, in, in the season, and I think he was an ACC play. That's incredible. But that's exactly what he's been. He's he's been one of the best shooters in the NBA as a, as a second year, someone who was able to defend multiple positions on the perimeter. And someone who can provide athleticism. Is he a star? No. But is he a star in his role? Absolutely. Davion Mitchell is, I guess, the, the, the flip side of the spectrum. He's a guy who probably was a star, or close, as close to a star as you can get a college, in college basketball without being like unanimously named, okay, he's too good to be on this list. But most people would have told you entering that year and, and throughout that year that uh, Jared Butler was the best college player on that team. Davion Mitchell may have been the most vital and that's because his role was to be the point guard and defend the, the team's best uh, opposing um, perimeter threat. And he did that to a T. He was phenomenal at it. He's been good on defense. He's been an okay table setter, but he's someone that you drafted to fulfill the same role, and he hasn't quite been able to transition and fill that role in the NBA. That happens. 
there's going to be successes, success stories such as the one like Giannis. That's 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 the extreme success in the in the segment before. And this, I think, Franz Wagner's as close to you as you can get, or Mikel Bridges, someone who was on a championship team and he was the top prospect on that team, but he was not the star of the team. Jalen Brunson was the star of that team. They had five draft picks on that team, but but he's been just as good in the NBA as he was at Villanova. And that's why he was a successful player there, successful player for the Suns, and a a draft pick that worked perfectly. He and Franz Wagner is about as close as you can get to fitting the billing uh, the exact same way in the NBA and in college. But I find this archetype to be the safest with as many good college players as there are. They could have larger roles on worse teams, or or you could see them contributing greatly to winning in the exact manner a a GM um, would envision for an NBA Eighteen. So this makes me confident in this archetype that at least you're going to get players with with traits that are good in the in the modern NBA. The NBA, what general managers want is what this provides, because you're not going to draft a player that you don't think fits the NBA as you see it transitioning into. When we talked in a recent episode, or at least I did, about how the Boston Celtics have kind of revolutionized basketball and the way people draft because they look for guys who are like three and D and, and physical and, and strong and, and people that don't necessarily need the ball to score, but they can score if they get the ball. They're not looking for offensive stars every time, but they've got players that can star in their own role. This is, this is the method behind the madness. It just so happened. The Celtics have had uh, three guys who are the third pick overall in their respective draft classes in Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They have number six pick in Marcus Smart and a few other extraordinarily talented players. But the, the method is still the same, that they have players that are versatile and fit the modern NBA. So these type of players that, that are star in their roles in college, that are roles that are, are needed and coveted by general managers, often play the part and, and excel at the next level. So I find this to be an extremely safe way with an underrated upside to draft. Who are players that fit this role in this 2023 NBA draft class where we, we talk about the star power? Obviously, Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson are, are stars, and I think there could be more stars. I think Amen Thompson has the, every capacity to be a star. And then you, you look at picks four through six. We've, we've talked about the race for three. We diagnosed which players can be picked from you know three through eight. And I think there's star potential for most of those players right there. But there's also players that will fit the role perfectly that are, are either in that tier or just a touch below. The first one that comes to my mind when I talk about this is also a player that reminded me of that whole Celtics talk I gave. Cason Wallace is compared to Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart. And I, I see the Marcus Smart one quite well because he's a defensively oriented guard who's big, who plays a role on a good team. Kentucky isn't great. They they've, they've haven't been as good as they probably should be. They have uh, players kind of playing out of role, but Casey Wallace can play multiple roles and he plays his extremely well. He defends the best player on the other team. He's able to score. He At one point uh, before the UCLA game, I don't have his re- most recent stats pulled up. He was shooting uh, 50% from three, which was said to be a knock. Okay, clearly he's been able to do that. He's going to be an impactful player on both sides of the ball. Doesn't need the ball to be super effective but can, can score when you need it. He'll defend, he'll rebound, he'll play tough, but he, he's going to star in his role. And I think that'll be the same going to whatever team is lucky enough to draft a guy like Casey Wallace, who's not big enough to be a, a uh, two guard that's dominant. And he's not quite 
skilled enough with the ball to be a point guard. He's 44.7% from three right now. I've, I've checked it. And I think he's the perfect example of this role of someone who's going to star in his role in the in college ranks and he's already has, and he will again in the NBA rank. Another guy, I mentioned Jarese Walker, someone who has the traits that can make him a star, but he's also starring a role for Houston. Um, I mentioned that he's, he's probably the third option. So maybe you can make an argument for fourth on the Houston Cougars right now who are a top five team in college basketball. Well, he'll likely be a, a tertiary option, maybe a, a, a person who's not even the, the tertiary option, but he can play influence the game with his energy, his rebounding, his, his passing from a big spot. His, he can hit open shots, and he's a perfect glue guy for an NBA team with upside to be more than that. I think another player that's fallen under the radar recently is Derek Whitehead. Derek Whitehead was one of the most heralded players who's got a trophy case that is unbelievable for a high schooler, having played alongside stars his entire life. He played alongside Cade Cunningham. He played alongside Scotty Barnes when he was young. And then when he's gotten older, he played alongside other stars at Montverde. Well, that he's doing more of the same playing at Duke, one of the most talented teams in the country. So he's used to playing a role on a college team and on a high school team, and he's used to being a star. So I think this is the best case example of someone who can be a star and, and was was heralded as a star coming back from injury. He's playing a role right now. Will His role will grow. He'll get better as he recovers from his injury. And he has the capacity to play multiple roles that are conducive to winning for an NBA team when he, wherever he's drafting. I think he's someone that as the season progresses in college basketball, more people will grow an appreciation for what he does that influences winning as Duke continues to get better, as I assume they will. All righty. Coming up in the final segment, I'll tell you about the stars of college basketball and how they've transitioned into being role players at the next level in recent years and in how I project a few of the players from this year to do so. And my thoughts overall about drafting that type of player. And, and I'll, I'll kind of, I won't give a necessarily a ranking, but I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on each drafting methodology and which one I'd lean toward. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all things betting. Get the latest odds, trends, and for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, the college bowl season, basketball. And if you missed the World Cup, they had awesome odds for. For futures and they'll have the same for everyone out there in like the nba college basketball you can place your futures on who's going to win the acc will it be virginia will it be duke will it be north carolina or someone else they've got it all if you love sports podcasts you can even get that there on bet online as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts down to the final type of player that you could select in the NBA draft. The college stars asked to play a role, a diminishing role in the NBA and how they have fared in transitioning from increased usage as a, in the college ranks to playing as a team player when, as not the focal point for the first time as they've been the best player their entire lives on whatever team they've been on, and now they're not. In recent drafts, think of Obi Toppin as an All-American transitioned into a role player. Or Marvin Bagley, a guy who was drafted number two because he was dominant at any level, reclassified, and he's still dominated in the ACC for Duke. Trey Young is a success story. He was dominant as a freshman in Oklahoma, dominant in the NBA. DeAndre Hunter, a fellow Hawk uh, he, at Virginia, he was the number four pick, scored 27 points in the national championship game, and has been asked to be a tertiary option. Jarrett Culver was his opposition in that championship game. Had the athleticism for the NBA, hasn't stuck because he didn't adapt well to 
the NBA game because it's different than the college game he starred in as an All-American. Desmond Bain was the heartbeat of TCU and a star for the Grizzlies. Grant Williams has carved out a niche for players that are sturdily built and then played tweener roles in college and starred at that role for the NBA, and he's excelled at a role in the NBA, carving out a, a, a Grant Williams role. And, and that's something that has become something. David Roddy was made possible by Grant Williams. As I purposely intended by creating that wide range of varying levels of success in college and in the NBA, you can see this isn't necessarily a perfect barometer for accuracy in drafting. I think sometimes the role adaptation is difficult. Sometimes the player is a star for reasons specific to the college game that isn't conducive to the NBA. And sometimes the stars are stars and they're going to be stars no matter what level they play. This archetype becomes need dependent, which isn't how I typically draft. I, I like to take the best player available. And, and recently I've really been a fan of bet, uh, betting on traits. Someone that I, I bet on traits on recently with Patrick Williams, as I mentioned, or Tari Eason. I thought his traits were, were really impressive, and I thought there was no way you could uh, hide him from success. He'd find it somehow. And, uh, and you know, it's someone with, with long arms and, and athleticism you can't teach. So that's someone I was higher on. Or a Blake Wesley. He was able to get to the rim at will. So will he be able to be a successful NBA player after playing a role at Notre Dame? So you, you can make the, this point for multiple players, and you can, make, you can spin it however you want. It, can a player be a star on a bad team in college and then ask to play a role. And, and that makes it easier because the bad team, they shoulder such a responsibility. And then once they play in the NBA, they play a role with all these really good players and it makes basketball easy for them. Absolutely. Can it be the opposite where their game is so conducive to the college game where it's difficult for them to transition and have the same effect on a basketball game in the NBA against different athletes? A, a guy that would come to mind here, and I, and I didn't even have him for my point of this because I was just going to take first runners, um, Drew Timmy. He's, he's been the best college basketball player over the last three years because he's played all the years and he's, and he's going to be an All-American again. But what he does so well may not be what is hit, uh, hip in the NBA right now, which is not playing through the middle, not playing uh, drop coverage as often unless you're a superb rim protector and he's not quite that. But th there's too much criticism that goes around for players that, that hold – the ball and, and have to try to score like a, a player like GG Jackson is a perfect example. And one that I really would like to speak about. And I, and he's kind of the antithesis of my point here is this is a, a type that I typically steer clear of, unless I think they're just truly a transcendent star because GG Jackson is, is playing on a terrible South Carolina team. He's able to be a star, but he's, his usage rate is enormous and he's 17 years old. So of course his efficiency will take a dip and, and is impressive that it hasn't been bad this thus far. And I expect it to dip worse, but I think he's he's got the makings of being a star and a college basketball team, and he's got the makings of being a superb role player, if not an almost star in the NBA. Well, this is a, a risky pick because you a lot of these players that were stars in the NBA uh, in the NCAA won't be stars in the NBA, and you're projecting them to a role they've never played. So that's why there's risk to this. So in some my preference lies with the with the eye of the beholder. I I know that's a cop out answer, but if you're drafting in the if not drafting in the top if not drafting in the top five, I usually lean toward a player who excels in their role to do so at the highest level. Let's talk about a few players that were to be the stars before I give you my full philosophical response to this. Cam Whitmore is the star of Villanova, but he's learning that role as he was introduced late. Same with Nick Smith at Arkansas. Big names 
who are, are taught to excel. They've been the best player, whatever team they've played on, and they're trying to do so on teams with uh, aspirations to be tournament teams. And as for Arkansas, a team that I think is, has the capacity to make the Elite Eight, make the Final Four. Gigi Jackson, I talked about, he's on a horrible team, but he's the star. And it's, it's going to be difficult for him to have the exact same role going towards the NBA. But he, this is this will be good for him, a trial by fire. Terquavion Smith at NC State is the star at NC State. He runs the show. Is it going to be easy for him to be a diminutive guard in the NBA running the show the same way? Or does he have to adapt and play a backup role or a spark plug role? I think he's got the capacity to do so. But it's hard to play the same starring role in the NBA when there's so, so many good players. And, and that role is not a clear-cut defined one. Chris Murray, uh, similar to his brother, he's loading up stat sheets at Iowa. Can he play the same way as his brother has adapted into a role as a 3-and-D defender with, with uh, versatility on defense and on offense? I'm not sure. We'll see how he fares in the draft process and as the season goes forward in the Big Ten for an Iowa team that has um, Sweet 16 aspirations. So to, to finalize my thought, like I said, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. Do you lean for the best player available? Does your GM have a track record for being able to pick out traits that are successful for the way that team plays or way, the way the NBA is transitioning? Well, the, the, if, if so, like Masai Ujiri really, um, really likes to draft on length and size and Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes have made him look incredibly smart doing so. He was ready to sell the farm to draft Giannis before the, if the, if the Bucks hadn't have taken him, he would have gotten him and he would have looked even smarter. So um, if he's got that ability to identify the trait, maybe you do take the first option. Like I said, a Patrick Williams, a Scotty Barnes, someone who showed traits in college and didn't quite excel um, because they were on good teams. Then there's the most safest one. This is one I typically lean to. I think if they're a star in their role in college, Mikel Bridges, uh, Franz Wagner, Trey Murphy, that they'll be a star for the team. So if you're not drafting in the top five, I think it's more likely a player that excels in their role in college will excel in their role in the NBA than, it, than you drafting a player that excelled in a separate role as a star of a college team and transitions into being a very good role player in the NBA because it's hard to re- reconfigure the way you play the game it's hard to be envisioned in a role that you've never played and it, i think it happens and sometimes these players end up being the best robins to two batmans when they when they you know they've been the batman all along and they're really super talented and they figure it out and play as a role player maybe not a robin but sometimes as a three and d that's a really good player conducive to winning but that's hard to envision. So I think there's a more likelihood to fail in that evaluation than another one. And then lastly, I think, I think I am higher on traits and roles um, than college accolades. I think the star, like I mentioned, it's hard to put them in a, in a spot, especially because to be a star in college, you typically are older. And an example of this from this past year's draft or two years, Corey Kispert was a star at Gonzaga. Ochag Baji was a star at Kansas. And they're having trouble establishing true clear-cut roles in the NBA as 3 and D players um, because it's a very different job in college after four years of college to, to transition to the NBA where guys are just as big, just as athletic as you, and, and, and a place where you thrive shooting threes and being bigger and faster and stronger where these guys are better at all those things. And so it's hard to transition to a role even if you're drafting the lottery like those two were. And, and I think traits are more – there's more margin for error when you bet on traits, because even if those players traits don't pan out, there's still things that those traits, because they're so identifiable, 
allow them to be able to do. Like, there's a way you can be an excellent rebounder if you have a trait for, for superb athleticism. Um, and, and even if you're not a great offensive player and you never develop into one, so far Patrick Williams has not. But he's, he's a uh, sufficient shooter from the perimeter. He's not great, but he's a very good defender. He can rebound. He can do multiple things. And that because of his traits panning out, he, his floor is higher than a player who's a star in college and his, his game has to be reconstructed to fit into the modern NBA. And, and I used two examples there of, of really good college players. Ochai Agbaji won the most outstanding player at uh, Kansas in the national championship. Agbaji's learning for the Jazz that it's hard to play because they've got a lot of good players that are fighting for the same position. And I hope as a Jazz fan that he figures it out. But uh, it, it's a different one. Johnny Davis is an exa- another example. Johnny Davis was an All-American this past year, and he relied on scoring in the mid range. And, uh, and, and it's just, there's only a few players that are able to do it. like Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan's are so rare in the NBA that those dominant traits you, you display in college become even more difficult to display in the NBA. And there's so few players that have the capacity to do so that very few even try. And so if you're not going to be, be the man, you have to meld into what the, the surrounding players are. And I think it's more difficult to fit in. So that's my little rant on the way of, how teams draft and and what is the best philosophy you tell me in the comments section of of how to draft based on traits do you base it on if one player's excelled at a role in college can they do it again if they're a star in college can they turn into a great college uh great nba role player i think all can be true and all can can have fallacy to them there's there's an element of failure in drafting it's just the case but which one do you think is the best and I want, I'm very eager to see your thoughts on that. And this has been a fun thought experiment that I, I think I'm going to try to bring to you guys more frequently. Just the way that drafting has changed and, and why it has done so. And my thoughts on the situation, just like the Celtics episode. If you missed that one, that's a fun one. I'll, I'll plug that there. And then how the Celtics have revolutionized drafting and taking versatile players. Thanks for making Locked On NBA Big Word your first listen every day. And for your second, check out Locked On Sports Today. And this has made it for a fun episode. As always, I'll be back with you for more college basketball and NBA draft content. That's Leaf Tulane. And this has been a fun episode of Locked On NBA Big Word. Enjoy.